You're listening to the All In Podcast with your hosts, Shane and Blake, giving you a new perspective on the dental industry. Are you ready to go all in? Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. And welcome to the All In Podcast. The podcast brings you a new perspective on, well, lots of stuff and sometimes dentistry. I'm Shane McElroy, and usually I'm joined by Blake McClellan, but he is rednecked out in the woods somewhere, like camping or hunting or fishing or something. And so he's not here for this one. It was kind of an impromptu episode, uh, but I'm excited about it. The reason it's impromptu, it's a a topic that I'm very passionate about, which is public speaking. And turns out that 73% of Americans are terrified to do that. They're actually more afraid of public speaking than dying, which is really, really weird. Our guest today, uh, lover, it's the Perio Princess, Dr. Yvette Carrillo. How are you, Yvette? Hello. Hi, Shane. It's so good to hear from you. I'm doing well. Um, yeah, I just finished work. I'm at home now. I get to relax. It's Friday. I'm super excited. Yay. Well, Yay. thanks for recording me on a Friday because you had done this post about public speaking and I think the TED Talk book you had just read. Uh, what's the title of that book? It's literally TED Talk um, Public Speaking. Nice. That's simple yeah. and easy for somebody <laughs> like me. Actually, I'll probably pick that one up because I really, I, I truly do love this topic. I've spent, you know, off air, we talked about this. I, I've spent a lot of time over years and years and years of my job, my normal job that I actually get paid to do. I go and see lectures all over the world and things like that. Like I get to see some of the best ever, uh, especially in dentistry. And and I fell in love with it. Like, And I like to break it down, like what makes a good public speaker? What do they do? How do you set yourself up for success? So I reached out to you and you were all about just picking it up on a Friday afternoon and, and recording. So thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about it and learn more. I'm definitely excited. Not everybody's going to maybe know who you are um, unless they saw the Jeopardy episode, which yep. you rock and rolled on ladies night. You were number one in our hearts, just not number one at the end, <laughs> unfortunately. But you were a champion with your punishment, and I appreciate that. That was a hilarious, fun episode. Yeah, it was so fun. Everybody was doing the egg smashing thing, so I thought, let's do something different, and flour went all over my face. Yeah, like keto flour, whatever it is, uh, was hilarious. I loved it. Can you kind of give everybody a little, you know, fast forward, a little background on you if if they haven't met you or haven't talked to you before? Yeah, definitely. Um, so if you guys don't know me or don't follow me on Instagram, my handle's perio.princess. Um, I didn't used to have Instagram before. I was really focused on residency. Um, I was busy. And it was really my students that kind of opened my eyes to Instagram and the banter, sharing cases, posting surgical photos, that type of stuff. So then I really just kind of started to dive in after DIA. Um, I went to Loma Linda for dental school and then I stayed for Perio. So I had lived in Southern California for about um, 10 years, but I'm originally from New Mexico. It's a super small town in Southern New Mexico, really close to Texas. You're the only person I know from New Mexico. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) But everybody's seen Breaking Bad, right? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's kind of the clout that New Mexico gets. Um, but yeah, I what, grew up meth? Here. Really good meth? <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> really good meth. No, a few people live out here. Like um, Julia Roberts has a ranch. Um, the guy from Game of Thrones. There's a whole like museum out here. So there's, yeah, stuff to, no, there's not stuff to do. Well, if you're on <laughs> meth, anything's fun, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but I went to college out here and then moved out to California and then I tried it 
to come back and it just wasn't a good fit. So I ended up in San Diego, but I'm here now. Um, oh, by I, the way, what a terrible place to be San Diego, right? Oh my gosh. It's so good. The weather it's is amazing. always nice. The beach, the people, the patients, like the referrals. I just, I love it out there. I'm super Next happy. time I'm out there for one of those teeth express courses we do in La Jolla, uh, we'll have to hang out. At- oh my gosh. La Jolla, like the, the place to live for sure. Yeah, that's why I don't live there. I just visit when the company pays for me to go. So (laughs) (laughs) it's a little bit expensive. What encouraged you to post this about you? you You're saying you, how long have you been doing public speaking? You know, fill everybody in on that and and about how you were terrified to do it, because that is a very obviously common fear. Yeah. Okay. So I think we all do some form of public speaking in one way, shape or form, right? Um, so I think there's been micro public speaking that I've had to do since college, but I didn't really start paying attention or care until residency. So when I was in Perio, we would have treatment planning classes where we would take photos and show the patient cases to faculty and they just grill you, like pin you up against the wall and hammer you for hours over things that you think really don't matter. So imagine sitting like in front of Joe Can and all those big guys and they're harping you because your photo angle is off and you're thinking, does this matter? It's a photo. I thought <laughs> the photo, who cares? It does on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, it does, right? And so later then you kind of start to take a look back at the photos and you think, oh, this is horrible. There's bubbles everywhere. There's saliva. I was explaining this case wrong and you, I was really, really fo- forced to sit up in front of a crowd, other residents, the faculty and speak. And then later I became faculty and I started giving lectures and I I want the students to learn and I want them to be engaged, but they're not going to be engaged unless you're a good speaker and you grab their attention from the beginning. So then I started kind of researching and it was hard. It's not something that comes natural to me. My brain gets foggy. My heart starts to beat. I get super sweaty. So it's just it's your body's I, reaction to like, oh God, what's happening? I don't know what to do. Fight or fight flight. Or flight. Yeah, That's it. Yeah. The fight or flight in my body's like just fly, and it doesn't help that I'm highly caffeinated all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah, is it caffeine or meth out there in New Mexico? <laughs> the, is there a difference? There's not a difference. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> They're kind of no, isn't it? Caffeine and something are really similar. Cocaine, maybe. I think no. I have no idea. I would. N- I've never done a drug, so. <laughs> That yeah. I'll admit to. <laughs> there I'll get in trouble on that one. On the podcast. <laughs> edit yeah, that out. Can edit you? that out. Yeah, I can, but I usually just leave it in. <laughs> so. <laughs> so you've been doing it for a little a, a while now, right? And a so, um, yeah. and do you think you're a good public speaker? It's always a weird question to ask somebody, by the way, because you feel no. like you're bragging and say yes. No, not at all. But um, so I started getting a little bit better because then I, um, my dad's a general dentist and he was kind of the one who opened up my eyes a little bit to it. Like if you notice all these big speakers, they give the same presentation, the same cases. And I started seeing the cases over and over to the point that I knew what part of the story was coming next. And sure. so then I started to think, okay, I need to find a story and focus on that story and present that really, really well. And so then I started focusing on that, kind of looking up, Googling, that type of stuff. Like, and like Googling what? 
um, public speaking, what to do when you're nervous. So I stopped drinking a ton of coffee before and then tried to breathe, do a little bit of yoga before. Um, oh, I started recording myself on my cell phone and then mm-hmm. watching it back and noticing weird. I was doing this thing where I would blink really heavily, just kind of sure. constantly. <laughs> yeah. And just picking up on stuff like that or the um, the positive. Yeah, right. So yeah. the podcast has helped me a lot in that regard too, as far as communication, because I do public speaking as well. I mean, as a salesperson, you're always presenting, whether it's to one person, a lunch and learn. I've done it for audiences of 200, do it online, right? Yeah. There's things that carry over and communication is very important. Now I get very excited. That excitement is very important because people feel that energy, right? If you're passionate about it, that if you're just sitting there boring, blah, 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 what's the audience going to be? They're going to be bored. If you're excited, it gives them the opportunity to be excited as well. The problem I had was that I was talking a million miles an hour, like I was on meth. Right. And, and that's an issue. And so by recording myself, I started learning of the, you know, the idiosyncrasies that we do that we don't even know. Like uh, you were talking about blinking. Mine was, I said, so a lot. Blake's was that he said, um, a lot. And you get better at those as you do it more and more and more, but you have to recognize what you're doing because you do those things subconsciously and you never even pick up, right? You notice when other people do them, but you don't notice when you do it necessarily. And then I think part of the whole public speaking too, I had a lot of friends tell me, you should do this. You should do a YouTube channel. You should share your story. So I think with my friends and my close circle, I was doing well. But then when it was around strangers, I would just kind of fumble, right? Because then you start to get flustered, you start to get nervous. And then when I would record myself, then I started hearing my voice. And I thought, Oh, my gosh, do I sound like that? Who listens <laughs> to me? Why? Isn't that interesting? Because like, um, you don't sound the way you hear yourself, right? There's like the the way you sound is echoing in your head, right? But you don't sound like that way to other people. Blake refuses. Like I edit all the podcasts, I do all that crap. Blake hates hearing himself talk because he's like, I think I sound nasally. He does sound nasally, by the way, <laughs> uh, but it sounds okay. <laughs> I love giving because him shit. That's what, here. that's what we hear, but he doesn't hear that, right? So we're used to him hearing that. But- exactly. But to him, he's like, oh my god, I didn't know I sound like that, right? Um, but what you're doing is important is, is that's how you get better. You have to see what you're doing and, and have some, something to measure off of. Now I want to take it back a little bit, uh, before you really started public speaking, let's think about like when you first about to get into it, right? Yeah. How scared were you? Terrified. Um, I, I just didn't know that it was part of my journey in residency and becoming a periodontist. That's all I wanted. I wanted to be a surgeon. So you were kind of forced into it a little bit, right? Yeah, they forced you into it. And actually, um, it was really hard for me. And I had talked to one of my mentors and an attending about it. I said, I just get so nervous. Um, I mean, I was to the point where I had to take benzos even before thinking about getting up there. It was just that bad. And so, so let's, let's Dr. Phil this for a minute and get all yeah. psychological. Okay. <laughs> Let's break that down. Why? Let's let's ask ourselves, why are we afraid of public speaking? Because we all, everybody has some nervousness. I don't care if, if 27% of the populace say, I, I love it. I don't need, I'm not never nervous. Yeah, that's probably because those are people, the ones who are already public speaking. When you get into it, why do, why were you nervous? Like, let's break it down. It's, it's really caused by the what ifs. What if I don't sound this way? What if I ask this person they don't go out with me, right? It's it's the anxiety of the unknown. The fear of the unknown is is what's causing that, right? Yes. So yeah. 
break it down for you. What was, if you break it down, like really think about it, what specific things were you afraid of? Because I think this will help people. It was the crowd. And so it was anticipating what questions they were going to ask and mm-hmm. then that I wasn't going to know the answer and I was going to look stupid. So, so that what was- if I, what if somebody asks a question and I don't answer? That's one of them. What if somebody answers a question and I feel stupid, right? right. Nobody's going to think you're stupid, but you're going to feel like you are if you can't answer, right? Right. So that's one thing. Anything else? The delivering the message to if I could articulate clearly what I was thinking in my head. So am I going to get up there? Am I going to forget everything? Am I going to blank out? Because that's happened to me before too, where I think I'm ready, I'm ready to go. And then I get up there and my mind just goes blank and I don't sure anything. Like just freezing, like in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. You've placed a fair number of implants, I'm, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. Are you scared to place an implant? Like Not if, at if all. You had, no. Exactly. First time you had to place an implant, how'd you feel? Um, Excited, anxious, a little nervous? Oh, I was ready. And I posted Why? on Instagram, actually, because I'm good at it. And I know that I'm good at it. And I know I but, can- But your first one, why I- were you not scared? I practiced before I went through the surgery. I took models. I drew my incisions out. I showed the faculty. I was prepared and I was ready. Prepared. You yeah. prepared. You did all the things to minimize the fear of the what ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens, right? Yes. You set, you got rid of those fear, the fear by having, all right, if this happens, what am I going to do? If this, and you practiced ahead of time. It's minimizing the opportunities for those what ifs to get in your head, right? Right. Because you know you're prepared for that if it happens. And I think that's a key part about it. It's if somebody thinks you just slap a presentation together your first time, step on stage and you're going to crush it, that's one in a million people. There's some people who can do that. Very freaking few. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very freaking few. What's your process? What What are the steps now that, like in the book that you read? What are, because I, I really want to get into this because I've got some stuff from years of watching these guys speak. Yeah. Right? And by the way, um, I think step number one, you said you watch a lot of videos and Google stuff. I think tip number one for me is find your favorite speakers. Now, usually you're just listening to what they're saying. Uh, fair warning. You ever, are you a musician at all? Have you ever played any instruments? I haven't, by the way. I try to like block it out of my mind. My mom made me play the piano and I hated every second. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Well, I'm not a musician. I tried to play guitar a little bit, but okay. I had a couple of buddies who were. And all, you know, when you hear a song, right, you hear the song, especially if you're not a musician. Now, musicians do something different. They want to figure out the song, right? Why can somebody playing a guitar just play, if they're that good, play that thing? So what they start listening to is I'm listening to the lead guitar. And and then all of a sudden, the other stuff kind of mutes itself and and you hyper-focus on that. I'm going to listen to the drums or I'm going to listen to the bass line. Fair warning, if you start doing this, it's impossible not to do it. So careful people. Um, but instead of seeing all of it, you start hyper-focusing on what they're doing. So for instance, like what I started doing was like watching speakers, whether it's on video or while you're there and not just what they're saying, how do they put their presentation? Why did they line it up this way? How did they do their intro? How did they do their outro? How do they position this? How do they move around? How do they, you know, use inflection in their voice? What is their cadence? So breaking down all the things of the people you see doing and why is, why do I like the speaker and why does, the, and watch the guys who bore you too. Why does this guy bore me? What do I like about them and figure that out? 
right? Because you break it down, you can start put, putting the puzzle together, like what makes a good speaker, right? Definitely. And the inflection, you and I had talked about that before. I like your inflection and it's not just a dry mono. We've all had that instructor or, or college professor that has that dry tone and you're just the falling worst. asleep in class. Yeah, it's boring. And so it doesn't get the message across. Nobody pays attention to those speakers. They're not excited. So how the hell are you going to be excited about it? Right. You know? Exactly. What subjects are you presenting on? So right now, the subject that's coming up is moderate sedation and it's emergency management. So all the things that go awry when we're putting patients to sleep. Gotcha. Is that something you're passionate about? Yes. So that's a that's awesome, <laughs> right? <laughs> what do you like about that particular topic? Uh, I... It tend to do well in emergencies. So when something happens, I don't have that that moment where you go blank and you think, what do I do? I'm really good at reacting. I'm really good at kind of getting the team together and you go call 911, you go wait outside for the ambulance. We need to do this, go get this medication. For some reason in that like when the shit hit the fan, you hyper focus, right? Yeah, and I tend to do well in those situations for some reason. So because I do well, I'm passionate about it because we all like when we are good at things, right? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so so take me through this because we were texting you. You were asking me questions. I was asking you questions earlier uh, on Instagram, just messaging back and forth. And I want this for the audience, right? Yeah. So let's go through. Like, all right, you're you've read that book, like. What are you doing now? And maybe I'll give you like, I've seen this guy do this or this is something I do. Like going through uh, before you start a presentation, right? Like how do you start it? Or the topic, let's say somebody's, let's look at it this way because a lot of people want to lecture and things like that. Uh, a study club. I want to bring you in for a study club on um, what's a topic you really love talking about besides like emergencies. Let's say it's just implants, uh, implants, right? Implant no. places. Soft tissue. Something. Soft tissue. soft tissue, right? Most periodontists don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we uh, love soft tissue. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So, so I want you, you know, tissue grafting or what, or creating emergency profile, whatever, healthy tissue. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. Where would you start, right? Maybe you don't have a presentation put together on this yet, which you probably do, but let's assume you don't. Yeah. And, or you have bits and pieces. And I want it hyper focused on this. Where do you start? The first thing that I want to know is I want to know. I want to read the room. Who's in the room? Who's my audience? Or, Are they or the, so you're asking ahead of time, like say there's a surgeon or somebody bringing you in to speak for this group. I'm going to tell you now it's 30 people, right? Yeah. That's all I'm telling you, right? At the start, because that's usually what happens. It's like study clubs, like 30 people, right? Yeah. What, what questions are you going to ask? I want to know their ages. So are they older doctors? Is it a mix? Are they GPs? Are they specialists? Um, so this is what's really hard because- you need to know kind of where everyone is, not only if they're GP specialists, where they're from, that's really important too, because if I'm giving a lecture in San Diego, it's completely different than if I'm giving it in New Mexico, because the culture is different too. Sure. Uh, the level of education, have they, if it's students, have they covered this topic before? Have they had this before? So it's really hard when I'm going into a different school to give a lecture, because I don't know if they've reviewed this or they know what biologic width is, for example. And so then I kind of have to backtrack and explain that. But if I would have known that ahead of time, then I could have prepared better, right? See, I love that because, okay, so you're asking the questions, the person bringing you in now, who's my audience? What's their education level? Because 
you can, if they're like highly educated, right? Like they already know all the basics. You can bypass that. They don't, you can't, right? right. Cause you're, they're, they're going to tune out because they don't understand, you know, they don't have a foundation for it. So they can't really learn. Um, one other thing too, um, sometimes I've had this where like I had one complaint, I went to a program, put it on, it was on full arch. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, it was incredible. Right. Cause I've been to a lot of them. It was incredible. But one person gave it a low rating and I went to him. I actually knew them. I was like, why did you rate this low? And he goes, well, I wanted to, to go into really detail on digital CBCD planning and spend a lot of time on that. Wasn't in the syllabus, right. Wasn't in the, you know, the course flyer or anything, right, right. but that's what he wanted. So I started having some of my guys or do it myself. If you can get the audience ahead of time, pull, ask them, all the members who are going to be there watching, what's one thing you want to get out of this? It works like a freaking charm too, because they'll tell you if you, you may not have that in your presentation. Maybe you put a slide in on that one little topic that doesn't really seem relevant here, but that one person wanted. So now it's hyper specific to them. They got the one thing they were thinking they were showing up for. So a little cheat code there for some of you guys out there. So you're hyper prepared now. You know who the audience is. Now what do you do? Okay. So then I start to think, what's my aesthetics? What do I want to do? You start thinking about the PowerPoint presentation. Are you giving the lecture live in person? Do you have to show slides? It just kind of depends on what the topic is, right? So for me, a lot of it's education. Um, Part of what the book was saying too is a lot of speakers, you're looking at the speaker and it's not necessarily the slides, the number of slides, clicking through slides. I The biggest pet peeve that I have is when people are lecturing and they're just reading off of the slide. Okay. I'm so glad you brought that up, Yeah. by the way. Number one, um, slides are to assist you. You are the content, right? Right. Um, we'll, we'll get a little deeper on slides too, but like I'm telling you right now, a few bullet points on each slide, you don't want to overwhelm. The highlights, you want them writing notes under the bullet points if they mm-hmm. have slides printed or whatever. You're the content to fill in that. But reading off a slide, what? why are you here? Right? Yeah. Like, what's the point then? That is incredibly boring and it's distracting if you have too many words on a slide. Right, right, right. right. I hate that when it's just like all words on a slide. Another thing too, by the way, I hate when slides aren't, you should put a, try to put an image on every slide, even if it's a small one. Um, It it matters. It engages people and it grabs their attention. Slides matter. You could be the best speaker in the world, but if you have shit slides, uh, you don't have to a lot. You just have to look nice. Take the time to make it pretty. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so a lot of these lectures that I'm taking over are for doctors that have way more experience than me, way better hand skills, just better surgeons, everything. But the slides are horrible. It's horrible. Powerful. It's old. So a lot of my time is going into updating the slides. Um, I used to use PowerPoint a lot. And then I switched over to Keynote just because the aesthetics are a lot better. It's easier to manage. I'm and- still old school PowerPoint. But yeah, I've been made fun of. I can make it look pretty, but I do graphics on a different application and feed it in. But you're right. Keynote's better. Prezi's really good too, but it takes a little time to learn them. Yeah, it, it does. It's a little bit of a shift to learn everything. Um, I stuck to PowerPoint just because I was terrified to get to wherever I was going to present to and they had windows and it wasn't compatible. And yep. so that's a whole other issue. Not being- Another good point. Let's fill that in real quick because I don't want to skip that. Um, just so you know, I have a projector in my car. I have a backup screen in my car. I carry an HDMI cable. I have two uh, clickers. I have, uh, when I do a presentation, I have it on my laptop and I bring it on a USB too. Why? Inevitably, some, the reason I've learned is because every t- something's happened 
at some point that's now I realize I've got to have this because I didn't have it last time and it screwed something up. Right. Yes. Yes. And then people like me are grateful for people like you because when I forget something, someone has it. Right. So I'm, yeah, it's always helpful to carry those things with you because even if you're going to somebody else's lecture, if you have that, oh my gosh, you're like the saving grace of that lecture. A hundred percent. I had a, uh, we were at Dental XP and they have a great setup, but David Wong was doing a small class and mm-hmm. I showed up just because he's my buddy yeah. early in the morning. The projector didn't work. Ah. Uh, it, it broke down and it's amazing setup. It was just a fluke thing. And I went to Walmart, got the last one for 80 bucks within 10 minutes was back. Right. Like, wow. so you gotta be yeah. having somebody on the fly and not freaking out. Right. It's like, yeah. shit, it's the fan. Don't freak out. You need do that what, friend. Do you what Yvette does. Friend. Yeah. And get hyper focused. How do we solve the problem? Right. <laughs> yeah. What do we need to do? Where do I need to go? I'm out. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> um, absolutely. And I think another thing is um, like, say you're flying in or somewhere to do something, the power goes out or whatever. Do you have the capability to still present on something uh, to get value out of that? Right. If everything goes wrong. Right. Everything goes wrong. Every, like computer goes down, power goes out, whatever. Can you still speak on something? You know, and I think that's important for people to understand too. Always have a backup for a backup. Understand if this scenario happens, what would I do? Because the video doesn't play, the audio goes out. What do you do? Right? Inevitably, it'll happen. Right? You ever been to a presentation where like the audio went out and they just spent like twenty minutes trying to like just fix it when when it was for one video on the thing that's like a one minute video and it just killed the whole presentation. But it's so funny because I kind of tune into the speaker because they start to get flustered and then they're yelling at like whoever was supposed to help them set up because what I've learned from being in private practice, you have your assistants and they're so good to you. Like my assistant texts me every morning. We start at this time. Don't forget this. You're supposed to bring that. So in a lot of ways, I turn my brain off. And so we're used to relying on our team. So when we're traveling and giving a lecture, we don't have that one team member that kind of fixes the audio, fixes the lights going off. And so you're just kind of looking around and then you end up looking like a diva because you're out of your element at that point, you know? Yeah. That's the one thing I do is I always take it on myself. Everything is my responsibility to make sure this goes well. You can't depend on anybody else, even the the facility that's hosting it or whatever, because something could go wrong, but you, you know... Listen, when shit hits the fan and you see how people react, that's really what engages me with people. Like if I've seen really good lectures like Mark Setter, uh, you know, rest yeah. in peace. Great. Yeah. Le- um, unbelievable lecture that happened to him. And he's like, oh, no worries. Let's just keep like he did the audio. Like he spoke over the video because the audio didn't where he didn't stop. He kept going and and nobody knew any better. And it was just like, this dude's a baller because I would have froze. Right. Yeah. And so understand that people forgive you if if there's a technical issue yeah but but they subconsciously can't forgive you if you killed your own lecture because you got all frazzled and and flustered off something that you know yes it was important to my presentation what do i do talk over the top of the video i've done that a billion times right because the audio always i have speakers with me now right Yeah, (laughs) yeah But it's like, what happens in those moments of, oh, crap. Shane, you just, you made this light bulb just like click for me and go off. I don't think you, I just had a moment. So I was a cheerleader for, surprise, for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Since high school, college, I did competitive cheerleading. Like, not just uh, like rah-rah. Like, I was in it, right? But 
We were prepared. I would be in practice till 11 midnight. Um, it was, it's actually really hard despite what people think. It's a very, very difficult sport. Um, but we were prepared. We knew those routines in and out. The audio would go out so many times. Guess what? We kept going. People would fall. We kept going. So that's part of the emergency management thing. I think that sure. clicks for me is that I know how to keep going. So you just made it click to me in a different way. Like, yeah, it's just a different, yes, uh, yes. it's just different, but it's, it's still, you keep going, you push through, you're right. ready to throw in the trash can just because right. something will happen. No, you're going to roll through it. And I think yeah. that's, imp- and that's when people really like notice too. They're like, wow, they really have their stuff together. They know. Yeah. Um, cause, cause listen, I've been in surgeries where like it didn't go right. And I've seen somebody flip out and I'm like, that's mm-hmm. not good. Yeah. And then you have the guys who are like, you're like, oh my God, that just happened. And they're just cool as a freaking cucumber and just roll with it. Right. Like, yeah. okay, that happened. Here's what we do now. It's like, wow, that's, that's a baller. Right. When yeah. everything goes wrong, what do you do now? Let's get back into the presentation part. When you're structuring a presentation, how do you do that? Right. Cause there's certain ways to write an essay and there's certain ways and, and maybe people don't know this, but like the, the outline is probably, I'm assuming you start with like an outline first before you get into the details. Ah, okay. So I do something. It depends. I might have the PowerPoint ahead of time. If it's a lecture, something specific that I have to deliver because they have exam questions, I have to follow a certain format, then it's a little bit different. If I have more freedom and I can kind of do whatever I want, then I do it a little bit different. It's a lot more fun in that way. If it's not like a course. So if I can go, let's say I'm going to a study club or whatever it is. Um, I tend to just kind of, I have an idea of what I want to cover, what photos I'm going to show. And then I just start recording myself and it sounds crazy, but I just start talking to myself and a story kind I of. I do that all the time. Do you? hundred <laughs> yeah. percent in my head yeah. all the time. Yeah. And then a story forms and then I'll look back and then I'll think, take that out. That's fluff. They don't need to know that. They don't need to know that. And then eventually I can form a few slides that go off of what I am intending to say. And so I start by speaking first and then doing the slides later. That It's funny that you say that. So I do that too, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. Like I envision what I want to say in my head. My wife makes fun of me because I actually don't do it silently. I'll actually, <laughs> you know, low volume talk while I'm walking. She's like, are you talking to me? She's like, you are weird. Like I'm always doing that. Right. Yeah. And I think sales actually helps this a lot. Right. Cause you're always presenting. You're always like, what am I going to say? How would I say this? Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I think for those who haven't done a lot of speaking, uh, get a little confused putting a presentation together. I, I would I would say this. Start with the end of mind. What's the one thing you want to get them get out of this, right? Yes. And then start with like like when you're planning an implant, you start with the end in mind, right? Like where is the yes. tooth position going to be? What, what does the patient want? Blah, blah, blah. Same thing, right? So start with the end of mind. And then, all right, to accomplish that thing, the one thing I want to get them, what are the the four sec- three or four sections that I need to cover so they can get there? And then you get to the detail parts. Now, I do it a little differently. Like in my head, I'd say when I started, that helped me a lot. Like you have your intro. Hey, I'm so-and-so and here's what we're going to cover. Is that cool with you? And we're going to cover this, 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 and this so that you get this end goal out of mind. Sound good? Great. And now you've covered what you're going to go in. So there's no question there. Mm-hmm. And then you fill in the details as you go through there. And then at the end, you summarize, we went through these four things to get to this point, right? Like look up structures of essays. If you've never publicly spoken before, it's the same thing. It's how you tell a story. It's how you do whatever, right? It's uh if you follow that formula, it just makes things a lot less scary. Now, when you've done a lot of presentations, I'm very similar to you. I talk to myself in my head. I almost go details first because I've already 
train myself to have an outline. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's a, that's a, it's interesting. It's like, you've done a lot. So you do that. But at the beginning, would you say it's valuable for them to start with like a basic outline and build off of that as opposed to try to do one slide at a time? Yeah, for sure. Even like um, what we call like dump writing, right? So you have an idea in your head, but you don't know where to start. Just start typing it out. And even if it doesn't make sense, you have to copy, paste, move around the format, but just start somewhere, even if you're just writing it down initially, and then you can go through and weed out whatever you want, add whatever you want, but you got to at least start. I love that because I'll email myself stuff all the time at bullet points. Like want to be this in the presentation, pull it back up later. So I'd make sure I don't forget it. Cause like you have the profound shower moment or like wake up right before bed, but you don't want to like, right. Just email yourself <laughs> yeah. or text yourself or whatever. I do it in notes. But then the problem is, is that I have so many notes and then I'll go back and I'll find like a grocery li- grocery list and <laughs> at the bottom of the grocery list. I'm thinking, wait, why did I? Oh yeah. Cause you have that thought in that moment. Sure. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, all right. So you put your slides together and all that. How do you, another interesting point. Um, how do you start a presentation? Cause the start is unbelievably important. It's, it's hard in different scenarios cause you don't know how you're going to be introduced necessarily, or, you know, somebody may just say, okay, you're up or they may give you a nice introduction or whatever. Right. But you don't know. Yeah. How do you personally start your presentations? So it's interesting you say that. Um, I've noticed with a few speakers, and then I kind of started to do the same thing. Unless I really, really know the person and they've introduced me before and I kind of know what they're going to say, I prefer to introduce myself because I know me, I know where I'm from, what I've gone through. And it's, it's always weird when they read like the, yes. like your bio and you're just like, hey, I got that. Okay. Your CV <laughs> like, and they've, you know, and it just, it doesn't sell you. And at the end of the day, you're selling yourself, regardless of what you're lecturing for, what you're selling, where you're going, you're the one speaking. And so you need that audience to buy into you, you know? Sure. So you do your intro. Yeah, I agree because I think it's important to tell. I Listen, I've had some of my buddies where I'm like, all right, you spent 20 minutes talking about your family and stuff and that's great, but that's not where they came. Right. Yeah. How much time do you spend on like your background introduction on, on yourself? Um, Probably five minutes, maybe. See, that's a good amount of time, right? Because uh, yeah. you have to build credibility. Why am I here? <laughs> you know, like, why am I the person talking about this? Why do you me? care? Who's this stranger? Yeah. Why are they here? How old is she? Does she, you know, like they don't know me. So I have to at least give 100%. them- 100%. Yeah. Now you've introduced yourself and sometimes you can start like, do you do anything funny or do you have something like to raise emotion? Like, what do you do to get like, to get it going? It's always my story. So it always goes back to um, how I got into perio because I I really don't lecture unless it has to do with perio in some way, shape or form. Um, so it always goes back to me and I want them to to root for me when I'm lecturing, regardless of even in that TED talk book, they that. were talking about when the speakers kind of fumble, their voices quivering, then the audience kind of starts to root for you and root for you to turn it around and do well. So I always tell it's really difficult because if I don't have a lot of time, um, it's hard to tell like my whole story and what sure. happened because it's kind of traumatic. But I, for me, the whole reason why I like lecturing and why I decided to do it, even though I was so bad at it, I was so nervous, I want to tell my story. And there's a lot of people that want to do something, whether it's 
specializing or they want to own a business, they want to go back to school, that type of stuff, I feel like they can do it because I did something, overcame. And so I feel like if they see my story and how I overcame that tragedy, then they can do it too. Then they'll be inspired. So I want the audience to be inspired by me from the beginning, even if they don't know me. See, I, I love that, right? So if you talk to anybody who teaches about speaking and things like that, they're going to say, start out with something emotional, yeah, right? So, And what you're trying to do is get them to connect with you, obviously. Yes. Yes. Um, so they're invested in you. And, and it's always good to start with a story, a personal story. It may not be on the topic you're lecturing on, but it's something personal. So they engage with you yeah. or funny. Now, you may say, I'm not a good storyteller. By the way, nobody starts out good at this thing with except for that one in a million, right? Like- yeah. Does anybody yeah. pick up a golf club and they're amazing golfer? No, they suck. Everybody sucks at first. You got to get the reps, right? Yeah, yeah. But they always say start with a story or funny. And I would say my fall to back is always funny. And you may say, I'm not funny. Well, I learned this from Dr. Bart Silverman. He either tells it like a dad joke, um, but he always starts it out. And it has nothing to do with anything other than like a funny Will Ferrell clip, a, a different clip every single time. But it gets the audience to laugh and then everybody's at ease. So yeah. you don't have to be funny, but that clip is funny, right? right? That's an easy hack. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend that does that, but I've seen that clip so many times and I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it's important. Like it doesn't, that's why I love video so much, right? Because it allows you, maybe you're not good at this one thing or communicate this way, but a video is consistent. And, and like I said, if you're not funny, put a funny clip in there. That yeah. you know people like, right? Now they inherently move that emotion over to you and they like you. And they're, again, to your point, rooting for you. I like the way you term, phrase that. That makes a lot of sense. Right. So, and to me, that's like the the crux of the whole thing. If you start out badly, it's hard to recover. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that's why I don't like that. I'm terrified of videos because in my head, I'm thinking, what if this doesn't work? What if, what if, the what if, right? The what if, right? Well, if you, if you test it out 10 billion times and have your backup, right? That's a yeah. good start, but inevitably something could go wrong, right? So yeah. um, I've even done it where the video went out on the big screen. And I handed around an iPad that was playing the video and I walked <laughs> around showing it because like I needed the, the video was actually important to that lecture okay. and it worked. And yeah. um, let me ask you this. Do you walk around when you lecture? I do. do I okay, do. Good. Um, I'm very like antsy, I guess. Um, the ADHD we both have. Yeah. So we talked about our ADHD. Um, I think in that sense, I one of my friends used the word dynamic. He said I'm very dynamic when I lecture. But then I also notice people in the audience looking at my hands. So I think in that sense, I need to work on instead of the audio recording and like the phone recording, have somebody record me when I'm on the stage and actually lecturing. Cause I think my hands are probably like flapping in the wind, you know? You know, what's funny about that. All I th was thinking about uh, is Ricky Bobby and Talladega nights where he's like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Or it's like slowly coming up, but you're right. The yeah. motions you make, like I, I like walk when I talk on the phone, I've trained myself to sit down to do a podcast because that took a lot of effort. It's mm. hard for me to think and stay still. Right. But I would say that ADHD can sometimes, not always, sometimes be a superpower in lecturing simply because that that movement gets mm -hmm. people to track you and follow you and makes them stay engaged with you, right? Yeah. It allows you to walk into the audience. And I would encourage anybody engaging the audience, whether you're asking them questions and depending on the audience size, that can vary. Or having something where they're interacting with you. Would you say that's 
incredibly important? Because I think it is personally. So important. So it's funny you bring that up. Uh, Probably a year ago, I had a totally different audience than I've ever had. I had 12 and 13 year old students. And so it was here in New Mexico and they brought all the students from across the state to the university and they did different tracks like the medical track, the engineering track. And so they did a life in the day and I was the medical dental track. And as you know, people have such a short attention span. So you only have a really, really short window to deliver your message. So imagine doing that to a bunch of middle school kids. And so in my head, I thought, what can I do to get them interested in not only dentistry, but medicine? And so I it was when flossing was in. And yep. I thought, okay, so I'm just going to go for it, make all the kids get up and do the floss. So I explained, I'm a dentist and who flosses? Some of them would raise their hands. They were kind of shy. Like, who is this lady? And I said, okay, get up. Everybody get up. And I played a Drake song and I said, okay, everyone do the floss. So it was either, I could have flopped. They could have just watched me stand up there, dance in front of all of them. But then they started doing it too. And then they got excited and it kind of got the lecture going, you know? Well, they're a part of it now, right? We talk about social media, we always talk about like community and engagement. It's the same thing right? Mm -hmm. It's not, it's a human thing. And so, yes, it works on social media. It's even more important in person. Um, you know, it's a funny thing that I do, uh, because you know how, like, no matter what you do, uh, where you're lecturing, somebody's going to be on their phone. It's not even people being, they're just addicted at this point. Um, and texting. So what I, I actually, it's funny. We were doing one on social media. I'm like, all right, guys, um, I need everybody to grab their phones and they all expect to be there. They all looked stopped real quick at the ones that I had them in their hand. I'm like, <laughs> and get them out because I mean, I want you to have them out the whole time. I want you taking pictures and texting and blah, blah, blah. Like I want you to be, you know what I mean? Yeah, so just yeah. own that because you're not going to win. And when now when somebody's, you know, on their phone hitting buttons, they assume when somebody other, it's not distracting where, oh, they're like posting, right? <laughs> Which yeah. is what I want. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's owning flaws and, and realizing you can't change them. So make them comfortable, right? right. You're engaging think, them at that point. Yeah. Or take one of these badass hats you sent me. Thank you, by the way. And like halfway through the lecture, be like, all right, that point I talked about before, who, you know, for a hat, who wants this? That's a great way because everybody wants free shit. I love, yes, everybody loves free stuff. I love that. So I had hygiene students at one point and I had Friday afternoon, they were tired, they were exhausted. Uh, for example, one of the students raised his hand one day and he goes, Miss, can I lay on the floor today? I'm like, no, you can't lay on the floor. <laughs> I started thinking like, what can I do? How do I get them excited? So then I started doing little things like bringing in coffee, bringing in gift cards. I was a horrible instructor. I would tell them they didn't have a quiz and then I would give them like a group quiz or whatever. Oh, you're the worst. <laughs> yeah. I Oh, I locked the door on them. I'm that person. <laughs> <laughs> but it gets them engaged and they're on their toes. So they don't know what to expect from me because I'm not that faculty that just has that dry monotone reading off the slides. I make them do group quizzes or switch up how they're sitting in the room because you tend to sit in the same place too and you get comfortable, you know? So in the middle of a lecture, and I'm glad you said that because it brought up another point that I wanted to bring up. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got some buddies who've done some lectures and they're really good lectures, but sometimes they're not paying attention to the audience and how they're reacting. Right. So they'll be on a slide and I'm sitting there looking at me like, dude, you need to move on. Nobody cares. Like <laughs> everybody's like disengaged, engaged, engaged. You get to the slide and you spent too much time. And now they're 
how important is it for you to like pay attention to the audience? Like, do you speed up if you can tell that this section is not really, unless it's vital, right? Do I need to move through this faster? Um, If they're super engaged, do you take even more time on that? Like, how do you, do you pay that much attention to the audience? Because I think that's important. I think I'm fairly decent at reading the room. It's really important because I think as speakers, what we think is important and what we think they need to know, sometimes that's not what that particular crowd wants to know about. Like how you said to ask them questions ahead of time. So that helps because then you can kind of start to gauge the audience. What happens to me is I'll find a few people because you always have those couple of people that nod their head at you and they're very engaged and that kind of just amps me up. And so I kind of stay stuck on those people because then you have the other ones who are on their phone or looking down. Maybe they get nervous. And then there's some people that don't want to be called on at all. And so if you're very engaging, that might make them nervous, even though they're not up there they're not the ones lecturing, it still might make them nervous to answer the question because they also don't want to be wrong too, right? So you kind of of have to read the room and I like to find somebody that's engaged and then kind of go off of that. It always helps when you have a really um, engaging audience that answers back. They ask, I love when people ask questions. It just helps lecture float. Yeah. What do you do when somebody asks a question is completely off topic and they keep going into it, right? It's not, it's not good for the audience. But yeah. they have this thing they want to know. What have you, I've had a few of those experiences, but I want to hear what you do in that scenario. It's really frustrating. Uh, like I had somebody ask what kind of car I drove. And I yeah, like it had nothing to do with the lecture. What kind of car do you drive? Apparently, I'm supposed to have a nice car. I have a Honda Civic. So in that instance, I can make a joke out of it. But it's really difficult because sometimes it kind of throws you off. Like, what does that have to, or the people that make you go back five slides, that's also kind of difficult. Can you go back? Yeah. I think, I think <laughs> in those scenarios, like that can throw you off as a speaker, but more importantly, it throws off the audience it, right. it, it, again, disengaged, right? Like, because this person, this one person, the guy who had too much to drink at the study club, it's happened to me <laughs> before. Um, I think a good way to do it is like, I love the question. I will talk to you about cars all day after we get done. I love the question to thank you for asking that. Right. Like, so you're not being a dick to them, but you're also like pulling it back in and feeling shoving them to the side. Be like, come get me after. I can't wait to talk to you. Right. Um, After let's talk about my Honda, but I think sometimes and correct me if I'm wrong, but sometimes that's kind of good because then you have some people that just kind of lost interest. And then that one person that asked that random question, it kind of wakes the other people up a little bit. You're right. There, there is that opportunity. I like that. There is that opportunity there to like, like refocus, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. okay, let me restart the engines here. What about when the, the, the guys ha- have this at this one study club all the time, because the guy doesn't realize he's half deaf. Mm-hmm. And so he's always talking to somebody in the back room. Right. But it's loud and everybody, and it's annoying as hell. And as a speaker, you don't know them. You don't know the audience. So it's not like you'd be like, Hey Dan, shut up. Right. Like, cause you know, Danny, you know, everybody there, you yeah. can't do that. Right. So what do you do? That's really hard because in those instances, I tend to get mad. And so oh, it's, it's, hard. It's, it's maddening. Cause you're putting all this time and they're distracting. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. The, I really don't have a good answer because I tend to get mad. It hasn't happened in a long time, actually. I'll give you a little hack that I learned yeah. from, uh, because even more so when you're a rep speaking, like it's not mm-hmm. like I have to be even more careful. Right. Um, and so a little hack here. Oh, did you have a question back there? <laughs> and you asked them if they had a question because you're like, 
you're, it, it, you get away with it because you it's almost like you're making the assumption they're talking about something you were talking about. And, but it lets them know that they're being loud. Yeah. No, I didn't have a question. Oh, okay. I thought you did because you guys were talking. So sorry about that. Right. You're <laughs> passively aggressively telling them to shut the yeah. F up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I learned that one from Maurice Salama. It was fantastic. He is yeah. a great lecturer. I also told him to everybody, somebody else was lecturing that he's kind of a mentor of sitting back there and they were talking to back. He goes, if you don't want to listen to this, get the out because I was like, you're the man. You're the freaking that's man. That's me. See, that's a problem. So that's me. So imagine me up there like, do you want to be here or not? There's a door, you know? So yeah. I, I don't think that's the best approach either. So I like your approach a little bit. Yeah. More. Try that one out next time. And just, yeah. it, it's kind of a passive aggressive shut up. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Um, but I love talking about this because you pick up stuff from each other, right? That you like right. learn. Um, all right. So we don't have much time left, but I want to break it in a couple more things. Okay. So you've got your, you go through the presentation, uh, you, you know, change up the tone, your engaged. you got, you know, we've covered a lot of stuff already. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you wrap, wrap it all up? Right. This is an area where I still feel like I'm kind of weak. How do I wrap it all up? I, you know, cause the close in a presentation can be very, I would say the beginning and the close are the most, it's what people remember the most. Mm -hmm. So what do you do to have a really good close to a presentation? So I'm with you. I think this is probably my weak point because all the adrenaline built up. I told them the outline, I presented everything, and then it just kind of comes to a close. I have to summarize everything. Um, When I'm lecturing, I tend to go back and summarize as we're going through and ask them questions because there's certain things that I want them to remember and that I want them to learn. So as we're going through, we're still reviewing and going back, right? So then when we get to the end, I feel like they should already have some type of conclusion. But then I kind of fumble a little bit at the end. What I have noticed that I always tend to wrap it up with, um, I always show photos of my cat. Oh, brilliant. People love cats. They, no, they don't like cats. Well, well, okay. On the internet, people love cats or puppy. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Fair. People like my cat. So she's a munchkin cat. So she has really, sh- she's really tiny. She has really short legs. She has these like Disney eyes and she just goes everywhere with me. She's like, people really like Pearl. And so I'll always show a photo of Pearl. I give them my contact info. Call me if you have any questions. And then that's when people start asking questions. Sometimes the questions go longer for than the presentation itself and I have to cut it off. But I think the closure is where I'm weakest. So if you have any tips. I don't. I just told you I was weak there. So we're both screwed. <laughs> um, I, I do think, I think wrapping it up with something funny is always doable too, but depending yeah. on the lecture topic, you know, or your personality or whatever, that I think that varies. And so, hey, for those listening, if you have any good tips on, on the clothes part, right, which is very important as well, I think being yeah. funny is good. I try to go for that or play a video at the end. That's funny. Um, just so I have a consistent close. That's why I like video at the beginning and the end. Mm. Uh, it's consistency. I know it'll start if, if I've got one that started well before, it's going to start well again. And then one that can wrap it up for me too. Cause if I'm not that good, at least the video can be good. Right. <laughs> so, right. so I, I don't have an answer. So for you folks out there who've lectured, you know, give us your feedback or who your favorite lecturer is, how they close it up. Because I think that's something I, I can't just be you and I, it's gotta be a lot yeah. of people. Right. Right. Um, one other thing too, um, something I've learned and this for you reps out there, right. Cause we have to do study clubs and how do you set always have something like a handout or something. Right. So like I'll get information from the speaker ahead of time, you know, I'll put the syllabus in there or whatever, but then maybe some brochures in a folder. But one thing I try to do if I have the time 
is I get a picture. Like if it, if it's 200 people, you can't do anything. But if you have 10 to 30, I will, I'm a master Googler and I'm pretty good with Canva and I will do a insert on a folder that has their picture and name on it. Right. So nice little cover, but their picture and name on it. And yeah. every time nobody throws anything away with their name on it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and for whatever reason, it makes them feel like, wow, this is special. And so it like sets the tone that, damn, they went really hard at this. And so it's not easy to do all the time, but the more specific you can make it to the audience, even the individual, the better. As a rep, you should do that. Don't expect your speaker to put a presentation together, travel a million miles or whatever, and do that as well. That's too much, right? Unless they're doing their own course and making a lot of money off it, right? Yeah. So, but it makes people think the course is great because they have a folder with their face on it. <laughs> That's the one thing I learned. It's yeah. hilarious. Some speakers do that though. They'll take a photo with the yep. audience. And I, I tend to do handouts also. Um, so I won't give all the information in the lecture because I want people to write it down. I want them to take notes. I want them to pay attention. So I always have two presentations, the one that I give the audience and the one that I present myself. And then I tend to do a handout after I'm done with everything. But some speakers do a photo too, like a selfie with the crowd. So maybe there's an idea with the handout that you're giving, put that photo in there and send it out to them. I love it. I yeah. love that's an easy one too, right? Yeah. Um, no, awesome. I think this is a like I'm so thank you so much for doing this because it was last thank second, you. but yeah, I love this topic, and I think it's uh, it's important. I think a lot of people want to speak. I think a lot of people do speak, but they may not see all the you know periphery that is. You can set yourself up for success, right? To your point, you get less scared when you're prepared for something, right? And having yeah. all these like little tips and tricks from you. Uh, to be more prepared, to be less scared, right? It's always the what ifs. And so if you're afraid to speak, everybody out there, you just got to do it. Uh, it's okay to suck, right? Worst case scenario. What, hey, I bombed before. My first one for bio and I had a, a study club, like full study club. Yeah. I didn't know what the hell I was talking about, which by the way, if you don't, don't talk on anything, you're not just intimately informed on. Okay. <laughs> like know every angle. And I remember bombing in my head and I don't think it was as bad as I thought it was, but to me it was bad. Right. Um, Guess what happened? They asked you back. Yeah, they did. And nothing happened. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like they asked me back, but it wasn't like any negative thing happened. And it was just this weird, like, oh, even if I suck, it's not the end of the world. Right. Like, it's not a big deal. Um, No, everyone's going to forgive you. Like, I've been to presentations that suck and I can't remember who it was, to be honest with you. I just know it sucked, but I don't know who it was. So, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So get over it. Right. You got to have some some courage. So any last words you want to say to anybody out there? Uh, anyway, what's the best way for people to, you know, reach out to you if they want you to come speak, what's the best uh, way for them to get a hold of you? Probably Instagram. Um, I'm on it. You're such a millennial. Seven. Yeah. I'm super millennial. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Wait, aren't you? Yeah. Technically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just Instagram. pretend to be. Um, you can email me at the perio pocket at gmail.com. Um, yeah, it's for me talking. I'm so glad that we did this because I, I'm not a, not that I'm not, it's hard. I'm not a good speaker. I don't feel like I'm a good speaker, but then how you said the way we see ourselves and the way other people see us, it's so different because when I do give lectures then I get really good feedback and the students liked it or the study club liked it and people enjoyed it and I was engaging. But in my head, I'm super hard on myself. I fumbled. I messed this up. And at the end of the day, nobody notices. Nobody 
hangs up on that one word that you messed up or the slide where the video didn't play that type of stuff. So I'm so glad that we talked about this because I feel like there's, what did you say? 70% of people out there. 73% admit to having, being terrified. Like that's their biggest fear. Yeah, that's me. I'm terrified. It's not something that's natural, but because I want to share my story, I want to educate people. I want to learn myself. When I have to prepare a lecture, I have to research that stuff. I have to anticipate the questions. And so I learn more about that topic when I have to lecture about something specifically. So I think there's a lot of people out there that this can be beneficial to that are interested in lecturing, that are interested in strengthening their PowerPoints, their lecture format, their style, or even learning your style. I didn't even know what type of lecturer I was, you know? You know, I used to be serious in everything I did and never tell jokes back really? when I, about a decade. I know, right? <laughs> Which now seems ridiculous because right. um, because I make so much fun of myself and embarrass myself all the time that if anything embarrassing happens now, yeah, it's just me. Right? Like people are used to it. So I can't really fail in that regard. So, but you're right. Finding your style. And I think, uh, listen, I love this topic. It made me have the thought of like, all right, so many webinars are happening now and they're so boring. Most of them mm-hmm. I got to find, if you see somebody who gives an amazing webinar with no audience feedback, you let me know so we can have mm-hmm. them on and tell them, what do you do that makes you good at that? Because that is hard to do. Right. It's not like a podcast where we can go back and forth by yourself talking to a screen with no feedback. That is a big challenge too. So maybe that we'll do another one on that later. So if you see anybody, let me know. All right. Okay. That's hard. I mean, it's a little bit concerning if you're good at speaking to yourself for a few hours. Well, you might be absolutely insane. (laughs) Maybe I'd be really good at it. I don't know. (laughs) You know who's probably really good at it? You need to find a radiologist. They sit in a dark room all day and just, yeah, record themselves basically. I don't know how I'll find them. They're stuck in the rooms and I'm not going to get them. (laughs) Uh, well guys thank you for tuning in Yvette thank you so much This yeah. I really enjoyed this one got a lot out of it um, and yeah. excited to do it uh, of course we love you um, so thanks for joining us and guys we will catch you on the next episode of the All In Podcast thanks for listening to the All In Podcast see you next time